It's the ethics of ambiguity with Drew and Grant. We're just going to get right into it. I'm no chipmunk, baby. I'm a fucking squirrel, motherfucker. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you, what are you, the milk man? You're selling milk. <laughs> Carl's a brute. A woman I worked with, who was a Nazi, by the way. <laughs> it's like you're about to get the gospel of God. John, Luke, and Smith and Wesson. It's like I've never stopped, dropped, or rolled once. Hi, this is Dan Fleming. I'm unavailable at the moment. Baker Mayfield is like if Johnny Menzel was only an alcoholic. Oh, we can dress up? Oh, no, that's oh, the worst. No, this is can't. so girly. Uh, I can't. I don't want to dress up. I wish healthcare and believing in science wasn't a political view, but it is <laughs> in this country. And we're back. It's the ethics of ambiguity with Drew and Grant, and we're just going to get right into it because today we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to catch up on. A lot of things have happened. A lot of you funny see that Morocco game? You see that Morocco game? I mean, the almost bicycle kick. That was almost the greatest thing of all time. Yep. Um, I'll be honest, though. I have not seen a single World Cup game since the U.S. got eliminated. I just That's don't what have I, was, I said the exact same thing. I, I, we did a family pool, and I have France, and everyone's rooting against me, which is understandable. But I thought to me, I'm like, after the United States lost, like, who, who really gives a shit? But Yeah. That's how I feel. Clearly, the rest of the world, but uh, you know. All right, so I think the first thing we're going to do is we're going to alternate stories for a moment. Um, The big story, and I had to write down what I wanted to say because last Friday I was on Let's Make a Deal, uh, the CBS game show hosted by Wayne Brady, and that in itself is a whole story. But first, but first, in CBS type fashion, I'm going to tease that for later to make people keep listening. Um, (laughs) I had told you that I had one of the most painful stories ever, and I needed to get your genuine reaction to it. Yeah. Um, So that's what I'm doing now. To take it way back, this was uh, about a month or two ago, and I got friended on Facebook by someone I went to school with until up until eighth grade, so basically my entire life. Like the ages of three to 14, me and this guy went to school together. His name's Caleb. And like we played sports together, we were all in these same classes. He was a very nice guy, but we were never like friends like outside of school. We were just very friendly and like wish him the best. So I haven't seen him since I was 14. But he friends me on Facebook. I'm like, oh cool. Like, what's what's he up to? And he's a stand-up comedian now. So he's, you know, okay. and actually and actually doing pretty well for himself. You know, like he's been on Comedy Central, not like his own special, but like one of those shows where a couple of people get like five minutes and the clip from that special has over a million views on YouTube. So I'm like, oh shit, like, you know, this is like very legitimate. And so then he posts like a couple of weeks after he had friend of me, he's like, hey, this is a show I have coming up in Hollywood. You know, here's a link to tickets, like blah, blah, blah. So I go... Oh my God, I should go. I mean, what are the odds? This guy's here in Hollywood. That's like 10 minutes from me. Like, I should go. So I tell Tori, like, hey, we're getting tickets. Let pause for a second, though. Yeah, no, feel free to pause throughout the story. Okay, a couple of things. One, you said friended on Facebook. I, mm-hmm. I thought the term was added on Facebook, but I friended, like an added, I don't know. I've never heard friended. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I was it's thinking a, of a coastal waiting. elite thing. Coastal elite. I was, I was, I was thinking about waiting the entire story. <laughs> that's your one comment. Being like, I think it's added on Facebook. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is, so he sends you a link to the tickets, right? So once again, not to me directly. This is a very public post. And I just happened. And I'm, I'm never on Facebook. I just happened to see it. So I'm like, oh. Okay. 
Oh, so you saw the link on Facebook. It's not like yes, he, it was oh, a public I don't know post. If it was one of those things. It's like he sent the link, but it's like he still it was available for purchase. Because like even though to. even though he friended me on Facebook, I don't think he knew like what I've been up to or what I've been doing or that I'm in LA. So he posted it like on his public Facebook, like for all of his friends to see, saying, "Hey, this is a show I have in Hollywood coming up. If anyone's around, like here's where to get tickets." Like, it but was isn't very... fascinating. What what is the motivating factor at this point? to add someone on Facebook. I have like, there are some people in college who to me after 2019, there's no need for a Facebook ad unless it's for a very specific thing. But so he adds you, which yeah. I think is interesting. Supposedly there's no idea the standup that you're doing, but you see the link, you see the yeah. link and you say, you tell Tori you want to go. No, that's all a fair point. Is I, I, I mean, he's our age. Why is he even still using Facebook? Might be a question right. you're asking. And then, and then added me and then like, didn't request anything like just genuinely added me on Facebook. We'd still buy. I'm like, Oh yeah, he added me. I see this thing. So I go to click on it. It's $20 tickets, which I'm like, Hmm. Okay. $20 tickets, but I'm, I'm supportive. I'm nice. Uh -huh. So I buy two tickets and I, so then, and I comment on his status. I say, Hey man, I just bought my tickets. Like I just moved to LA. Here's my phone number. Like we should get a drink before or after the show and like catch up on um, Facebook. On Facebook, just like on his the number, on, you put the number out. I put my number out there. Put it wow, good for you. Yeah. Do you remember him being funny? He yes. Um, he I think, I think his his type of comedy I feel like was never appreciated at the very you know, stuck up white, uh, school that we went to. Um, you know he was he was really like one of the only a physical comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was. I just felt bad for him always because I think I did. He had like he watched Chappelle's show, he watched the Boondocks, so like he would joke like that. Okay. And so, but I think that's one of the reasons me and him actually got along really well. It's just like, you know, have me having an older brother, he was watching very mature humor that was dealing with like race issues and stuff. And other 12 year old kids at St. Patrick's Episcopal Day School were not. So I, yes. I would say other people would probably say, ah, like Caleb, he liked to joke, but he wasn't really that funny. And I said, I understand what Caleb's going for. And his stand up. I was so I watched some of his stand up in preparation and I'm like, it's funny. Like it's very conversational and it's very um uh deliberate at that moment. Like it's very slow. Like he's like that's sort of like that's sort of like the character he plays on stage is sort of like so like this is a thing. Like it's it's not high energy. It's kind of like that humor, like very monotone. But that was Jeb Caleb. Bush, Jeb Bush comedian. Yeah, Jeb low, Bush. He ends every energy. set by saying, please clap. Out of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and so, so like, okay, we're gonna go. Now, the week before, we had just visited New Hampshire. We had been to Carter's wedding. We get back from that, and me and Tori both feel sick. So it's we've been back for five days. We have a little, we each have a little bit of a cough. We have a cold. It's mm -hmm. not COVID. We got tested, but we both don't feel great. But I'm like, oh, geez, like I already, I literally told this guy publicly on Facebook that I bought tickets. You like, put out the number. I put out the Let's number. I have to go. So it's Saturday. It's the day of the show, and he doesn't text me all day. So then I'm like, oh, like I feel like he should have texted me because he did respond to my comment. Was like, okay. oh my god, that's great. He did respond <laughs> to the comment. And he said, yes, like that's great. Like we'll do. So then, so I was expecting a text, didn't get one. So we drive down to Hollywood, and it's kind of in like the east part of Hollywood, which we had never really been to, and there's a reason. Uh, there's not yeah, much there. Okay, I was just saying, none of these directions mean anything. I don't know why it's such a California thing to do that it's like, oh, let yeah. me give directions. No, to so we took place. the 101 and then we switched <laughs> on to the Santa Monica Freeway. Yeah. And then um, 
no but so west hollywood is like you know like the fun like beverly hills like like okay. it's like the gay part of town but that means it's like really fun and there's actually like stuff mm -hmm. to do the east part it's like there's not much there so we'd park and we and it's this place called the fourth wall comedy club and we i had checked the poster right before we already hate the name yeah and uh, on the poster it said byob and then i as i was looking at that i was like now that's interesting because that doesn't that's not I, I would think you know all the other comedy clubs i've been to out here it's like no like the alcohol is how they like make their money you know it's not as they'll even give away free tickets because they just want you to drink at the club you know what i mean so I'm like that's interesting so tori I'm feeling sick, so I'm like, I'm not drinking. But Tori's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to go to this sober. <laughs> like, I'll, I'm going to bring a couple white claws. So she has a little tote bag with white claws in them. So we get to the door. There's like four or five guys out front. And we kind of, we're like, is this the right place? Like, and keep in mind, it's eight o'clock on the dot. So we think we're almost like late that we're going to walk in. Like the show's already started. We're like, oh, and, and, you know, we're like, we want to sit in the back. We don't want anyone to like really talk to us. We don't want to be like, you know, roasted. We don't want any of that. We're just going to sit in the back. It's going to be chill. They go, okay, you got tickets? We go, yep. They scan the tickets. We open the door, empty. No one is in there. And I, I'm, not, I'm not being like metaphorical. Like literally, we are the first bodies to enter the space that night. As customers? And, like as did you see the employees? No one, no, at the time, no employees were around either, we could see. We just walked into this empty room and it is incredibly small. Like a packed house would be 20 people and that would be packed. And so I kind of looked at Tori like, uh-oh, because no matter where we sit, we're front row. Like, they're going <laughs> to be able to see us. And, like, no one's here. So then, like, they're really going to talk to us because, like, if you're the only people in the crowd. So we sit down. It's like 8.04, 8.05. And then... Where'd you sit, though? Where'd you sit? We like, sat against the back wall, but that's maybe 10 feet away from the stage. The stage to the back wall is 10 feet. That's, like, it's an incredibly... It's, like, a long and skinny... Uh, okay. space. Okay, so you said okay. That's so almost like you picked a corner. We tried. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's a good move. So then a guy comes out, and he's like the bartender, and Tori has her, you know, her uh, like white claws. They weren't white claws. They were um, high noons. It's like seltzer stuff. Um, and she kind of whispers, she's like, "Well, I should ask him just to double check before I just whip out like a drink and just start drinking." So she goes, "Hey, like we saw on the poster, it said BYOB. Like, is that true?" And he's like, no, what, what are you talking? What? He goes, let me, let me see the poster. Like he's furious. And we're like, okay, hang on. I, I get it out. I show him the poster. He's like, what the fuck? He storms outside. He grabs one of the guys that was out there who we now realize is like the, uh, whatever, like the coordinator is like the marketer of this event. Okay. He like, he's sort of like an independent guy that like finds comedians, like marks them to spaces. And he pulls him inside, and they just start having it out right in front of us. We are the only two people in this room. And he's like, dude, I told you not to put BYOB on there. This is how I make my living. The guy's like, look, I don't know why you're coming at me like this is my fault. I told like Don like not to do this. I told him a million times. He put it on there, man. I didn't know. This goes on for five minutes, and me and Tori like jaws on the floor that this is happening right in front of us, all because she asked if it was BYOB or not. So, so, and, but it's hilarious too. Like, we're not involved. Like, this is fucking hilarious. And I think this is when I texted you and I said, Boy, do I have a story for you. Little did I know where this story would go. Because oh it gets worse. So then, like, two or three more people trickle in, but the total number of the of people at the show is four. 
it's four people. And then there's five comedians that are going to be going. And then Caleb is the headliner. But Caleb is nowhere to be seen. And so the op- the guy who's hosting the night, he sees the only two white people in the audience. And he says, hey, like, how'd you guys hear about the show? And, me, and I'm like, hey, you know, went to school with Caleb for a long time. Like, wanted to show my support. And then he goes, well, you know, Caleb just canceled. And I'm like, and Tori, Tori's like, oh. But I was like, he's joking. He's joking. He has to be joking. I was like, do not tell me <laughs> that what I hear is he canceled. He's like, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm like, phew. But Caleb's not there. So for a second, I was we were both like. So then all these all these comedians start to go. But each one, once again, only four people in the crowd. I mean, they're talking to us. Are any couples in the crowd? But I know you two are. I know you two are. Like, you know, they, Wait, they so have hold to. On. Maybe I missed it. But like, who are the, it's just you two and then two other people? Yes, two randomly strangers. And then five comedians who, who are waiting. Hold oh, on. the comedians wait in the audience. Yes. Yes. Oh, when you know the performers are bigger than the crowd. Yes. The performers outnumbered the crowd. Wow. Okay. And you were the only two white people. Yes. Okay. And okay. keep in mind, so then once Tori found out that it was not B.O.B., of course she felt bad and went right. to the bar and bought a beer. Okay, what'd she get? She got an IPA. I think it was a hazy IPA. Was it a draft or a can? Can. So it I felt like a BYOB. That's a, that's, a, that's a good move. That's a good move. Just so there's no one, nobody there. You don't want to do the tap. I understand. Good for And her. that was the one alcohol sale that place made all night. No one else bought a single drink. Okay. So anyway, so this... So that, okay, that's rough. So, so the comedy starts... And the guys, and it's a conversation. Yes, and it's and a you know the comedians kind of want to get into it. Yeah, you know, because they're all, like, hey. it's all racial stuff. So okay. the majority of the jokes are about how much white people suck, and it's like, oh, you know, like fair. Um, we do like we do call the cops. That is something we do. <laughs> um, and so we're just going, and then but then this one guy went on, and he was, and he literally, I remember, I was like, I can't believe he he went for this joke. It was this really intense guy, and he goes, I have a son. I have a daughter and I don't want a third kid because I don't want them to be transgender. And everyone went, huh? And he said, I'm going to say it again. I have a son. I have a daughter. and I don't want a third because I want to be transgender. And then another one of the comedians goes, what? <laughs> but then we just like move on. And like he keeps going on with his set. I was like, what the fuck? So about halfway through, it's been about oh, an man. hour. Kate, the door swings open the, like to the bar. And and Caleb wants in, and he kind of wants has, has it. Has his walk? Has his walk? Very slow, <laughs> very slow. And like I said, he always had a sloth-like quality to him. He was never a quick mover. But this is like really slow, really deliberate. So much so that one of the other comedians kind of calls him out, and he's like, "Hey, man, like close the door, like come in." And Caleb goes, "I'm the headliner." He's like, I know, but you gotta come in and like blah blah blah. So we're and so immediately I'm like, oh, what's the deal? So we're watching the other comedians, but Caleb keeps like he walks upstairs to like whatever like their green room type thing must have been. He comes back downstairs, he walks outside, he he comes back and he goes back up. He's just kind of like walking around aimlessly, where it's kind of weird. Oh, Jesus. 
but we're like, okay, we're pushing through. It's been an hour and a half. Like, let's get to the headliner. So then the, the guy that's hosting the night finally goes, all right, and here he is. Here's your headliner, Caleb. And, you know, says his last name. So Caleb kind of delivery goes up there. We're cheering. And there, and then the absurd thing about this is that there's still like uh, a spotlight, even though there's eight people in a room, but there's still a spotlight. And he, he kind of takes the mic and he's staring into the spotlight, but it kind of looks like he's staring right at me. And so I'm kind of like, okay, is this him like recognizing me? Like, hey, I did come. But you could just see that there's like nothing behind his eyes. Like Caleb is just like not there. And he kind of like mumbles into the mic like, uh, and everyone's kind of like looking around. He goes, all right, the show's over. And he walks off stage. Everyone's like, well, he's on drugs. We don't know what drugs, but he's on drugs. Corey's like, we should go. We should get out of here. And I said, yes, we should, but give me one second. And so I walked outside because the guy was hosting the night. They were all from D.C., all the comedians. Okay. So I'm like, I think they kind of know each other and they kind of travel together. So I walked outside to talk to the host. And I said, hey, so, like, you know, you know him, right? Like, he's like, yeah. I said, and you're going to make sure, like, he's okay. And he's like, yeah, I don't really know what that was or what's going on. And so then they get him some water. But so then Caleb comes out outside and he sees me. And he goes, hey, Drew. What? No, sorry. Already right there. That's too much emotion. He goes, hey, Drew. You know, and he walks over and he goes, it's been so long. And we kind of like hug for a second. I'm kind of looking at him. like, are you okay? Like, how are you? Like, are you feeling all right? He goes, oh, yeah. He's like, no, no. Once again, I'm immediately doing too much emotion. He's like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fine. And so then we're kind of talking for a second. I'm like, well, it's good to see you, man. He goes, did you like the show? And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's so fucked up. He thinks he just did the show. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it was great, man. Like, yeah. And he's like, do you want to get a drink? I said, oh, you know, we're feeling kind of sick. <laughs> I said, we got to, you know, I'm with my girlfriend. I'm not feeling too well. So we're going to head out. But hey. And I was like, are you are you staying nearby? Did you drive? And I'm like, please tell me you did. <laughs> he's like, no, I took an Uber. I said, okay, great. So I head out and just a silent car ride home with me and Tori. Just like, well, that was weird. And uh, and so I was kind of like, you know, I and it just, it just wasn't like him. I, he was never like the drug type. Once again, I haven't seen that since he was 14. So what do I really know? But it was just so shocking. And the whole night was just so bizarre. So I said, but you know what? Like if I got a message from him the day after that just said, hey, man, sorry about that. Like that was kind of weird. I took something I shouldn't have taken that I'm not used to. I would have been like, you know what? Shit happens. You know, that's fine. But the next day, late in the day, I'm watching football. I'm eating pizza. I'm relaxing. He just messages me like, hey, man, what are you doing today? And I was kind of just like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to pretend like <laughs> just like I was like, ah. if we had acknowledged it off the bat, I feel like maybe I would have gone somewhere and said hello. But I just sort of let that one float away. And I was just like, that is just the weirdest story. But then, of course, I had told my mom that I was going to go see Caleb. She's like, oh, my God, Caleb, I haven't heard about him in forever. So I call her like the following Monday. And she's like, this whole week I've been envisioning you and Caleb, a comedy team. Like you're going to meet up and then have an idea. And you're, I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> like, I, well, you've been imagining that. This is what's been happening. But so it was just between the, the guys having it out in front of us. No one's there. They're just – every person is like looking at us and talking to us. The guy's too fucked up to even do his comedy. The tickets cost $20 a piece. I was, it was painful. It was incredibly painful.
Yeah, that is that. Um, <laughs> well, I will say, and now mind you, I would not say you're trying to be a comedian. You're trying to be a writer. So this is not a comment about you. But do you ever remember growing up and like, because you and I have both been interested in comedy and talking about how a lot of comedians are very depressed. Yes. And, I don't know if I have fun. And I'm like, like, really? Like, that's that's such a weird thing. Now when I meet comedians <laughs> and I interact with them, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> These people are on a downer. I got to hear the Let's Make a Deal story. All right. So let's talk to Let's Make a Deal. Um, so I had talked on the past episode about how I thought I had no shot, how I thought mm-hmm. I'd bombed the interview and all this sort of stuff. Um, lo and behold, you get an email that basically said, oh, we saw your stuff. You'll be on an episode eventually. Don't reach out to us. We'll reach out to you eventually, but we don't really know when. So this is last Sunday. So this is four, basically four days before they're taping. They reach out and they're like, hey, congratulations. We want you to be on our primetime show this Friday, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's all this hoopla about how it's going to be so great. And they're offering me a spot. And I'm like, okay, yep, sounds good. But they quickly emphasize that for your costume, you cannot be characters from movies or video games or anything that's like trademarked. Um, so, you know, we had talked about me being a raggedy Andy as like a funny, wacky thing. Or like I was thinking about like, oh, like I could be like Mario. That's like really easy and like kind of goofy. But that's out because. Now, did you, you had to include Anthony's answer in that because that was the, I spit out my coffee when I read his. No, he said Dom on Ice. He said that. I said I'm lost. <laughs> like coming, on, coming on skates. <laughs> Uh, so then I just have to start, I have to try to think of a costume and I kind of been thinking like cowboy, but so uh, Tori had work that day, so she can't get out of it. So I asked my friend, Nishan, who's one of the other FSU writers and if she wants to come. And so she says, yes. She's like, that sounds goofy. Like I'll come. She has no chance of making any money. Like contestants, like the, like the guests, they literally are not allowed to play. They're not allowed to make money. So she says, I'm not really feeling cowboy. So obviously I'm, I'm like, that's totally fine. <laughs> You know, yeah, I want to let's do cowboy in Indian. And that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a little insensitive. Right? Yeah. Um, so then she starts trying to look. She goes, what if we were mad scientists? Because she's like, I'm trying to look at something like easy to do. So if you look up the costume for mad scientists, it's pretty easy. It's like a doctor's jacket, a belt, some gloves. I, I've, I'm familiar with these. With mad, you've seen a mad scientist <laughs> I've before. Seen, I've seen that character out. Um, yeah. So I reach out to the producer I've been talking to and he and I show him a picture of the costume and he like flips out. He's like, that's awesome. Like, oh my God, like with the wig, that's epic. And so I looked at the picture, I'm like, oh fuck, there is like a wig. There's like this ridiculous wig of like black hair that like stands straight up with like mm-hmm. a single like white stripe. I'm like, oh shit. So I go, okay, I'm gonna look like an idiot, but you know, at least it looks like something that like he he's reacting in a way like he's not used to people being mad scientists. So I order the $50 costume and literally on Thursday afternoon, they upload a video to their Instagram, the Let's Make a Deal official Instagram. And it's another guy dressed in the exact same mad scientist costume that had literally just been on the show. Exact same costume. So clearly I've been had because the costume is something they have seen before. And now I'm $50 out, but they make it incredibly clear in the contract that uh, your costume has nothing to do with whether or not you get picked. I don't know if I really believe that, but that's what's in the contract. They say your costume has nothing to do with whether you get picked or not. So I'm still optimistic. 
So the next day challenge is we have to be there at 8 a.m. And they said to be you just be ready, you're gonna be there all day. We give you lunch, yada, yada, yada. And so Nishan and I, you know, we just graduated from film school and like we kind of know like an all-day shoot, it's like 12 hours. That's like a 12 hour day. That's like what the standard thing is. So they say you're gonna be here all day. So we're both like hunkering down for a 12 hour day. And so we get there, uh, you have to do a COVID test in your car, and we pull up and there's this really intense guy in sunglasses. But like with blonde frosted tips, it was like it honestly looked like he came out of like a time capsule, and like it like was a at an instant concert, and then all of a sudden showed up and was the COVID protocol guy for let's make a deal. But he has a, an earpiece actually very similar to this, and he has like the skinny mic like going no down his you face. Think he's from NSYNC. Yeah, I was like he literally looks like he's in a boy band. Um, but like I said, he's so he's talking to the mic constantly, and Nishan and I, you know, we're we've been we're used to people on sets. There's like a a way you're supposed to talk on the mic. There's like a very effective, like if someone says something to you, you need to say like copy so that like they know that like you heard them and stuff like that. But this guy, I gotta say, he was a copy abuser. He abused copy. the copy because anything he said, he'd be like, copy that, hear you. So like he like leaned down to the car, he's like, you guys drew in a Sean? And he'd be like, we'd not nah. be like, copy that. All right, but have you guys not, have you guys gotten COVID tests yet? No, you haven't? All right, copy that. And and like literally like he's running by and the, our windows are down. We are like, Copy that. Copy that. Like he's like running by and everything he's saying. I'm like, who is this guy? So anyway, he's gonna come back in a second. Cause I'm like, you know, he's a little intense, he's a little weird, but this is obviously his job. He must be like the head of COVID protocol. This is like his time to shine every day. He's just really into it. All right, so we get inside and they put us into the green room, which is really just four plywood walls with a couple of desk chairs and a TV. Um, like you could probably film like an ISIS hostage video in this room. Like it's oh, wow. dark, it's dimly lit. There's like these weird like posters like hanging over the wall of apes. Because uh, on Let's Make a Deal, they have these things called zonks, where you're like you lose, but they usually reveal a gorilla or like a banana. And so they have all this like ape stuff and pictures. It's very strange. So everyone's kind of streaming in and you get a picture um, of your costume and then you kind of wait around because they need to do like practice interviews before you go on. But so while they're taking people one by one out to do practice interviews, they want us to do icebreakers with the other contestants because the whole show is us clapping and cheering for each other. And they believe that it'd be more genuine if we actually got to know each other. So obviously a it's a theory. So quickly, Nishan and I start breaking ice. You know, I, I talked to this one woman who is a super fan. Like, she knows every game on the show. She never misses an episode. And she was super nice. She was really cool. She goes, and how exciting is it that we're on the primetime special? And I kind of nod, and I, I had to dig a little bit to not be a complete idiot. But I didn't know why that was, like, cool or a big deal. But so what I discover is they only do four primetime specials a year. And they have, like, 200 episodes. And only four of them are primetime specials. And so instead of being on at like 1 p.m. for like your grandma's dinner time, they're on at 7. So it's like on CBS, which is like a big slot. So it's like prime time. So what they need to do is to make it like sexier, they boost up the prizes. So like all the prizes are bigger. So I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, like, like double the prizes. And she's like, no, like they gave away a $350,000 Bentley on the last one. Like I need to be on this show then. Does this, does like, I've been watching the show and be like, oh, just like $1,000 cash, which is great. But, you know, not that much. But all of a sudden, you're boosting this up. It's like, this is like actually like a really big change. Um, so I go over to Nishan, who's still breaking ice with a couple other people. And she's chatting with this couple. 
Now, if you can remember, uh, I said they were quite explicit about not allowing people to be trademark characters. It was at this point I started to kind of look around the room, and I was seeing a lot of trademark characters, honestly. Deshaun's talking to Dr. Evil. There's a Rufio, if you've ever seen the movie Hook with Robin Williams. He was Didn't Rufio, who was one of the one of the Lost <laughs> Boys. And then there's another woman who's dressed as like one of like the pink ladies, like from Greece, and like one of those like pink jackets. And so, you know, I'm pissed. Because I'm like, I'm a fucking mad scientist, because I thought I couldn't do anything copyright and all these and no, and then the producers and stuff love it. They're like, oh my god, are you Dr. Evil? That's awesome. Like, that's so funny. And I'm like, what the fuck? You told me to so I'm trying to piss. So so Sean's chatting with Dr. Evil, and I come over and then Kind of like randomly and almost accidentally, Nishan and I just start like a bunch of rumors that start to like spread through the uh, the green room. Because Nishan's telling them that we're going to be there for 12 hours. And everyone starts to freak out. They're like, what? Why would we have to be here for 12 hours? Like, they didn't say that. I was like, well, they said all day. And, you know, and she's like, yeah, like usually means like, you know, like a 12 hour thing. They're like, oh my God. Like, what the? Like, they're freaking out. And then they go how much, how bad they want to win a car. They're like they, you know, like, oh my god! Because I'm telling them about how it's a, a primetime special. And they're like, what? We didn't know it's. And then everyone starts to talk about what it really means to be a primetime special. And they're like, oh my god, to be sick to win a car. And then I, and then I go, well, you'd have to pay the taxes on it. And then they go, what? So like literally, we're like breaking news, <laughs> like left and right. I'm like, yeah, like you know, if you win a car that's like thirty grand, you still have to pay the taxes on that, which would be like four or five grand. They were like, what? I thought that was just the cash. I was like. No, like if you win, if you if you read the contract, it says very explicitly, like you have to pay the the taxes on the car. So like if you win a three hundred fifty thousand dollar car, you're paying like forty grand at least in taxes with like the tax rates. Yeah. Anyway, everyone's shocked. Um, they uh, they thought it was only the cash, all this stuff. So this is going to be important later. But I leave Doctor Evil and her girlfriend with the knowledge that you have to pay taxes on stuff. So like, just be aware of that. And they now and they now are freaking out that they have to be there for twelve hours. Now, this whole time as we've been walking around the room, my fun fact about myself has been that I ate McDonald's every day for four straight years, uh, which is not always the sexiest fun fact. I use it a lot, but it's quite effective. It's unusual; people remember it, and you know, people around are loving it. They're like, "Oh my god!" But you're not. You're so tall. You're so skinny. Like, what? You ate McDonald's every day? Like, ah. Um, and it's going fine until there was this one woman who was a little off uh she was the pink lady from greece and when i first started talking her to her partner we'll get there that's that's the okay. that. i first started talking <laughs> to her and she and her fun fact was that she's from the dmv and uh you know for all my alexandria virginia folks out there uh, they know that sometimes people from the dc area say like oh a dmv dc maryland virginia that's a thing However, for most people outside of that area, they believe the DMV to be, to be Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, that's what that's how most people would say. Oh, that's what the DMV is. And you have to keep in mind that this woman is off. <laughs> so okay. when she goes, "I'm from the DMV," I'm like, I could believe that this is the type of person <laughs> that works at the DMV. And she and so I kind of made a joke like, "Oh, like I love the DMV. Like I just got my license." And she's like, "Oh, no." Like you think, and that's sort of in a way that's like you think I work at the DMV, and I was like, "Are you saying we're gonna tell this chick that like you're not better than the people that work at the DMV?" She's like, "No, I'm from, I'm from the DC, Maryland, Virginia DMV." 
I'm like, okay. So she's nice enough, but she's very strange. So you never said I'm from Alexandria? Not actually, not at that time. No, I okay. did not. Um, but this comes up later because me and Nishan are sitting and we're waiting for the next step to do. But the this the pink lady was blown away by the McDonald's fun fact. So like an hour later, she comes up to me with this other woman. And keep in mind, if me and the pink lady went to each other and you said, who ate McDonald's every day for four years, you would guess the pink lady. So us, so this is already a kind of funny duo. And so she comes up with this woman next to her, like, and she comes up to her and she goes, this is the guy that ate McDonald's every day for four years. And it's, the answer is this kind of like older, sort of like very slender woman who I later find out is her mother. And that's who she came with on the show. Not dressed oh, yeah. like Danny Zuko, I will say. The costume is pretty weak. But her mom goes, oh, your cholesterol must be like through the roof. Like she's like really like worried about me. Um, and she goes, well, you know, I'm plant-based. And she basically goes on a spiel about how she's plant-based and everyone in the world today has cholesterol that's out of control. And her big finale is that I should get the vegan pizza from Whole Foods. And Little Miss DMV chimes in and was like, yeah, it's actually really good. And they just kind of walk off. And me and the shot kind of make eye contact. And I'm like, they're weirdos. Like, that is, why, like, what was the point of that? And she'll come back too. So the, I'm, I'm crafting a story here where there will be payoff. No, no, I, I know these, these characters don't go away. Yeah. Um, so then quickly, I have to go to the bathroom. So when you're being led to the bathroom, they need like a, just like a PA. Like kind of like someone low just to kind of lead you to the bathroom and then bring you right back. Who is it but the frosted tips guy, the copy abuser? He's relegated to bathroom duty. So then I'm like, wait a second. This guy's not important at all. In fact, he's like the lowest guy on the totem pole. And he's he's a he's a copy abuser to seem important, but he's got this little speaker with him and he's kind of like jamming out to music as he leads us. He's just a weirdo. He's just a weirdo. I'm like, hey, what the fuck? This is let's make a deal. <laughs> this is let's make a deal. So then while I'm waiting for the bathroom, we their bathrooms are outside, mind you. They're not like porta potties, but they're like nice porta potties, basically. And there's like a you know, like a straight line of a parking spot. He's dancing down the straight line and like trying to keep his feet on the straight line. And I'm standing on the straight line. And he goes, Do you mind? I'm like really in a rhythm. And so I just kind of gently move to the side, but I'm like, who the fuck is this man? Like, what? Where am I? So then we go back inside. I get pulled aside for my, like, prep interview in the hallway. So it's Kyle, the guy who had been texting me, and this woman named Tamara. And Tamara has the manic energy of a cocaine abuser. Um, She is just there. Like, I don't think she blinked the entire day. I mean, she is just electrified by let's make a deal like the energy is infectious so we start chatting and she's like practicing questions on me like how wayne brady might ask me something and when we get to my career i kind of look at Kyle. i'm like well okay we said we would talk about this and tomorrow hops in she goes we love that you're a screenwriter that's totally fine i'm like sweet she goes we just don't like actors and so then i hit her with like honey neither do i you know like <laughs> and so we're laughing i'm like we're chatting i'm like i'm killing it I'm like this, and then she goes, she goes, this is great. Like, keep this energy on the show. And I'm like, yes. And remember, this whole time I'm dressed like a mad scientist. I have like <laughs> the goggles, I have the wig. I'm I look ridiculous. 
So we get back inside, and now the group is sort of coming together. So the the time of icebreaking is over, and it's we're an hour and a half in, and we've really done nothing. It's like 9, 30, 10. So Tamara hops up for some intro words, and this is where my bullshit meter starts to really go out of control because she says that she reviewed 6,000 casting interviews from this year, and she selected us, the lucky the lucky 25 members in this room, to be on the primetime special. This is who she wanted. No fucking way. No fucking way. Because remember, they tested me four days before I was supposed to be there. So then we have to learn how to cheer on the show. So Mm -hmm. with that one TV in the room, we're just sitting down watching past clips from episodes and we're practicing cheering, clapping above our heads so that the camera can actually see us clapping, and then learning how to give suggestions when contestants are faced with choices. Now, it's also during this time that we will meet two more important characters in today's story. Uh, The first is Henri, who is 87 years old, and he's dressed as a butler. He's in a full tux. He's got, you know, like the Michael Jackson white gloves on, and he's got a steel serving tray that he is just holding at all times. And he yells out during this that his fun fact when he was introducing himself to everyone, he's like, I, my fun fact is I'm still dating at 87. And the whole group was like, oh, but Nishan and I are immediately like, oh, I don't think that's cute. I was like, that's just not like 87, like still trying to get laid. I just feel like at that point, like. I don't know. So I don't know. He was, and he was also the type of guy that he's constantly making jokes about himself dying. So, for example, like they're explaining, like, well, once you're on the show, we can't have you back for three years. And he yells, "I'm not going to be here in three years." Ah, and then you have to wait ninety days after the air date to redeem your prize. I might not be here in ninety days. Uh-huh. It's like you get one or two of those, maybe. I'm telling you, he made at least a dozen of these jokes throughout the day. <laughs> and so it's getting to the point where now I'm rooting against Henri. Like, I don't, I don't want Henri to be on the show. Like I'll be pissed if he goes on and I don't. All right. The second most important character here is I begin to really pay attention to the guy who's dressed as Rufio from Hook. Now, if you're listening, you can Google Rufio from Hook. He was sort of like the leader of the Lost Boys. He has this like red outfit, sort of like Peter Panish. It's like the Hook movie uh, with Robin Williams. But this guy's hyped. He's insane energy he's teaching us the rufio cheer because it's been so long since i've seen the movie but apparently in the movie they're like rufio 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 and like he's like teaching us the cheer he's just so overwhelmingly positive but he's so positive and i'm such an asshole i'm now rooting against him i don't want yeah. i don't want to see him succeed either well you're better than me because i would have already been rooting against all of them because <laughs> i said i'm here i want to win yeah. I don't want them to win. Why? Well, I, I as long as I win the most or win something, that's what you know. So you're but some of the but, but some of the people are so nice that it's hard to go against them. Where the ones where you're like, I either haven't talked to them or they said something weird about my cholesterol. Like I really am coming after. I'm putting all this on them. So there's a bunch of ridiculous other shit we do for the next two hours that's completely irrelevant. Um, I'll say because I know you're probably curious. It was Subway for lunch. It was boxed Subways sandwiches for lunch. And no, I did not eat one. I know that I know you were really on the edge. Did of your you get sector. a cookie or chips? I didn't eat. I didn't eat Jack because at this point it's noon. We've been there for four hours, and we're finally going to film. They choose where we sit, and they they split Nishan and I up. So Nishan was actually a row like in front of me, and I'm behind her. So we can't really talk like during the show. 
And we have no idea who's being picked. So everyone's like kind of like ready and on at all times. And they're like, you know, high energy, high energy. So Wayne Brady comes out. He's like, hey, folks, how are we doing? Let's get into it. And then like, you know, we just, it starts rolling. We're filming. So okay. he, so he does a thing where he's like, who wants to make a deal? He turns around. We're all cheering, but you know, he's told who he's choosing already. So he quickly pits three people to play. It's the first game. So it's one random woman who's irrelevant to the story. The woman who told me that it was the primetime special and was very nice. And Rufio immediately super, super fan irrelevant and rufio. and rufio and those are the first three people picked um so of course the minute rufio starts to talk he turns around and makes us do the rufio chant he's like come on guys rufio 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 and how did we do how that go we did the chant because everyone this is the point it's the first one everyone needs to be a good sport like pick me <laughs> rufio but everyone's like yeah, i'm doing it um and so here's the first game it's a three-person game. So he offers something to the first person and they can either take it or pass it to the next person for a chance at the next prize. Pretty simple. So Wayne pulls out a comically small envelope from like his breast pocket of his jacket. It's like maybe two inches big. It's the tiniest envelope you could possibly make. And he asks the first woman, the irrelevant woman, he goes, do you want to take it or do you want to pass it on? And it's so small, you know, she's like, oh, there's nothing in there. So she passes it on. So then he asks Rufio, the Rufio guy's like, do you want the envelope? Do you want to pass it on? Of course he passes on it too. I mean, come on, it's so tiny. So the third woman, the one that was nice to me is a super fan. She has to take the envelope. She has no choice. So I'm kind of feeling bad because I'm like, oh, that sucks. Like she has no to choice. Me, the envelope, that's, I'm initially, if I was the first person, I would have taken that envelope. So he, he opens this incredibly tiny envelope and there's a tiny little sheet on it that says $5,000. So she loses her shit. And I'm like, good for her. I'm like, she, you know, she's a super fan. She wanted to be on the show. And I'm, and then I'm like, holy shit, this really is like bigger prizes. Cause like, I've never really seen, like, usually you'd have to like work your way up to the 5,000, just to like pull out 5,000, like you got it. Like that's very rare on the show. So, and I'm like, that's the first game. So everyone sits up. We're like, oh, okay. Like we got to play. So then the other woman and Rufio who each just passed on $5,000 without knowing it, they have to keep playing. So they open the next curtain, and it's a trip to the Dominican Republic that's worth 10 grand. The random woman, she's not making that mistake again. She takes it immediately. So that means Rufio has to take the next curtain that opens no matter what. It that opens, it opens, and it's a man in a monkey suit swinging on a carousel. Rufio has just been zonked. And so this is where I was talking about how the zonks are like gorilla themed for some reason. You get nothing. You just got got. And then, but they tell us before the show, they go, they go, it's not that bad. We give you $100, but that's it. So now I couldn't be happier because I just saw Rufio with high energy just get completely fucked, his own fault as he passed on the 5,000. And now this overly joyous and excited guy has to sit <laughs> in the front row for the next hour and a half and cheer for other people knowing he just blew his shot at $5,000 and a trip to the Dominican Republic. I got to be honest, though. I would have so much fun being like if I couldn't I couldn't be a good cheerer because I'd be like Rufio Ruf oh no so that's so that's the thing because you're supposed to groan so it, it when it's a zonk oh. everyone everyone goes oh oh no <laughs> like oh poor Rufio <laughs> I don't know who would be worse though if I because obviously 
because this is prime time. So I'm going to see you on TV, right? Yes. So that's great. But I don't know in terms of who being fake, I think you would do a better job than either me or Dan. But couldn't you hear like one of the comments? Oh, could it be? <laughs> what, what, oh, you hate to see it. Breakfast. Um. All right. So that so that's game one. So and so and and actually, what you just said is a great point too to remind people because they also told us really directly. They're like, in that situation, if they unveiled like a pair of roller skates, and you don't roller skate, you still have to cheer. Like it's the best thing in the world because it's like that's paid sponsorship. You know what I mean? Like those people paid, they want to see people positively react for marketing purposes. So even if you're like, if even you if you're not excited, you don't want you have to pretend like you're still excited. So the games are going on, more people are getting kind of are getting picked. It's honestly getting kind of late. And I'm starting to get the feeling that I'm not gonna get picked. But I'm keeping on a happy face, just you know, I'm holding out hope. And mind you, we're forced to dance during every commercial break. So Wayne's like, all right, more. let's make a day after we come back. And he kind of walks off to get the Nets instructions of what they're going to do. And they start playing like a like a really like catchy Bruno Mars song. They're going to keep you moving. They're like, come on, everyone up. Everyone up. Come on. And you have to like, and it's, and it's, it's, it's so stupid. And just the idea of like, come on, everybody. It's like, like you're trying to play. You just hear gunshot shots. I said, I said, you think I'm joking? You think I'm joking? Shoots Rufio in the knee. I said dance, Rufio. <laughs> Where's Henri? It's like a rogue, a rogue producer. I will have my vision. But this is where Tamara does come oh. up to me. It's like, and I, she's like, you know, if if you get picked, just keep talking. Like set up Wayne, just like you were doing backstage. Like, come on, like we—that's what we need because people have been going up, but they haven't been like really talking very well. They've been like so nervous because they actually like care. So now I'm jazzed. I'm kind of like I'm back in the game. I'm like, here we go. I might get picked. And Nashawn would later tell me because she witnessed all this, and I think she was correct that I was being stroked. That was the word that she used. She was like, I think people could tell who was losing. Like the people who hadn't been picked were kind of losing steam. And so like, and, and kind of doing the math in their head, like, okay, we have like 15, 20 minutes left. And like, there's like 10 of us that haven't gone. So they kind of went up to everyone and kind of like, we're just kind of like kind of keeping them interested. And this includes Henri, the butler, uh, who has not been picked yet. And he's been in the corner with his little steel tray. His, you know, he's getting tired. He's been holding it. And the more people that sort of like run by him to get picked, he's just getting more and more pissed. And like he's really like wearing it on his face. Like he's kind of stopped cheering. He called he called Kyle over the producer, kind of whispered to him. And I could tell he was like kind of like mad, like, I'm on the show, like pick me. So the games are going on. More and more people are getting kind of picked. And Dr. Evil gets picked, the woman that played Dr. Evil. And she's playing curtain opens a fifty-five thousand dollar car. She loses her shit. She's like, that's what I said I wanted. I, I was gonna play for this. And so she has to play this thing that's basically like roulette where you like drop a ball and it needs to land on the letter C, then the letter A, then the letter R. So she she rolls it once. It lands on a C. They go, we'll give you $3,000 right now to walk away or you can like roll again. And it's at this point that she reveals that she just got over stage for cancer. And I'm like, take that money. Like if you have hospital bills and like all this oh, stuff. Oh, so like, you're allowed to like. Yeah, I'm allowed to yell. Know, I'm you're like, allowed to yell. Take the money, take the money. So I'm yelling at that. So then she goes, I'm going to roll again. I'm going to roll again. She rolls 
hits a different letter. So she's still in it. They go, okay, we'll give you 6,500 to walk away and not roll again. And literally she turns around and I, I and for a moment, it, she looks at me and Nishan, almost recalling that conversation backstage where I had oh, told nothing. her, even if you win a car, you still have to pay the taxes on that car. And then she kind of turns a little bit further and she looks at her girlfriend. The girlfriend's just like giving her the nod. She's like, I'm going to walk away, Wayne. And everyone's like, yeah. like so she left with $6,500, mm-hmm. which is great. So she took the money and run. So then we're really running low on time. And who should they pick but the DMV girl who's dressed as the character from Grace? So she hops up there and it's it's Choke City population her. Um <laughs> <laughs> she she talks to Wayne and she is so nervous. I don't know what the hell she was talking about. Like she just starts to ramble and he and she starts talking about how he has no idea how much he means to her, how how much he means to her because she's a COVID survivor. She was on a ventilator and when she came off, the nurse came in and turned on Let's Make a Deal on the TV and Wayne Brady was talking directly to her. And then Jonathan, who's the co-host, he became animated and he started to do snow angels with her. And she's going on and on this wild fucking story. And I just condensed it by about 15 minutes. I just saved you 15 minutes, honestly. She is just fucking like rambling. And Wayne, how's Wayne doing? Wayne's just like, "Uh uh-huh. And literally like Tamara, who's insane, is like trying to live. It's like, "Ah, laugh, laugh, everyone clap. No, clap. I'm like, I'm not clapping and laughing for this. This is insane. I was like, this woman is insane. Um, and I'm really pissed because she's eating clock. Yeah. She's eating clock on this on this day. She put on the itself clock basically. She's, she's just chatting. Clock. She's just chatting. So then they put her in a game where she gets offered like five or six different decisions and can't make one. She keeps flip flopping back and forth. She doesn't know what to do. And so by the end, like it's at the end of the game, she has passed on one thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, a trip to New York, and an envelope. Because she wants what's behind curtain number two. Because they had told her behind curtain number two is something that's worth at least $2,500. She goes, that means I want curtain number two. Literally, a producer calls timeout. Not tomorrow, but a different producer calls timeout. Comes out and goes, I just want to make clear to you that just as it's worth over $2,500 does not mean it's like great. It could be $2,500 worth of dog food back there. You know, like, so don't let that do your judgment. She goes, no, I want number two. Final answer. So they, do, so they do the, okay, let's see what you missed out on in the envelope. They pull it out. It says every, every trip on the show. And they had given away four trips already on the show to New York, to Spain, to Switzerland, and to the Dominican Republic. And if she had just taken the envelope, she would have won all four trips, a $50,000 value. And then she's kind of doing like the family feud clap. Like, that's all right. That's all right. Good guess. Like, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. They pull back curtain number two. And it's 100 popcorn machines popping popcorn. And it turns out it's the prize that's worth over $2,500 is the popcorn machines, 100 of them, 100 pounds of unpopped popcorn and 100 pounds of butter. And all of us, remember, we can't groan because that popcorn machine is actually a prize. We have to cheer. And so she's like, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah. So she just absolutely choked, but she took up so much time. So the last thing I'll say about the filming, the last really like funny thing that happened was that at some point, a guy really did play for a $350,000 Bentley. Like they unveiled the thing. It was like, oh, holy shit. He didn't win it. Shocker. 
And then at some point, another person got zonked. So, and that's when they get nothing. And so this time, the first time it was around a monkey suit on a carousel type thing. This time it's like they were trying to go with a bigger zonk. So they pull back the curtain and it's the same guy in a monkey suit, but now he's on a tricycle, but not just a normal tricycle, like a 10 foot tall tricycle. Like he is towering over stuff. He had to like lean down to get out from underneath. So he's pushing the tricycle through, but then he loses control of the tricycle. So the tricycle that is this massive thing takes a sharp right turn right towards the camera crew. So literally people are like, what is out the way? Like people are like diving to avoid it. It's like running over wires. He has to like drift it to a stop. And literally like we have to stop the show for, and that's another like 10 minutes gone. So they had to like replug things in and like the cameras were like damaged and people were like, oh, and I'm like, this is, it was literally like a fever dream. Just a guy in a gorilla suit on a 10 foot tricycle coming right at you. I wasn't even close to it. But I was like, that's ridiculous. So the games are over. The show is over. I didn't get to play. I'm just as pissed as Henri, but I'm not showing it. But now it's time for quickie deals. So quickie deals is like at the end of the show, they just really quick <laughs> pick people and they do shit like, oh, for everything in your bag that starts with an S, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And people are like, oh, like Sharpie, uh, scotch tape. Like they're just like going for everything. Mm -hmm. So the guy next to me, he gets name every trip we've mentioned on the show. I'll give you a hundred dollars for each one you get right. Of course, he nails all of them. He does 400 bucks. So then Jonathan, the co-host, he goes, I want to talk to the scientist. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I stand up and he tells me, I'm going to ask you a science question for $200. And I'm like, are you fucking Fuck you, Jonathan. <laughs> because science is my absolute worst subject in school. But like, I was terrible in science. Is this going to be on TV? I don't know if they'll include that part on TV. I don't know. Sometimes they include some quickie deals. But so he goes, okay, here's the question. A famous equation, finish it. E equals? That's how I go, MC squared. He goes, yes, $200. He goes, for another $200, tell me what the C stands for in that equation. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I literally like pause. And he goes, you can ask your other scientist. So I lean down into Sean, and we're kind of whispering. She kind of leans back, she goes, I have no fucking idea. And I'm like, she doesn't know. Uh, I, like, I'm really like thinking, I'm like, like the C is like a constant and like maybe, and I was like, uh, I remember inertia was in an equation. So I said inertia. Is it light? That is not the right answer. The correct <laughs> answer is the speed of light is what C stands for. So like, I'm not really that salty, but I'm like, God, I'm just more salty. I'm like, I get, like, literally they haven't, they ask other people the most like tangible, like, do you either have it or you don't? They're like, we got a science question because I'm dressed up as a fucking mad scientist. <laughs> oh um, my God. So then we're leaving. Everyone's like in a pretty good mood, but Henri the butler is huffing and puffing. He's kind of like mumbling to himself, the 87-year-old guy who's still dating. Like, oh, like motherfucker, like, I came all the way here to be on this fucking show. And like, and then it's it's actually it's kind of fucked up because he's an old guy. When we have to leave, we turn the corner, the tallest staircase I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he just goes, he goes like, oh fuck, no, no, god damn it. And he just like he still has the tray, and he's just kind of slowly like. Ah. I'm like making his way up the stairs. Um, so yeah, I won 200 bucks. I technically did sign an NDA, so I'm not supposed to talk about it. But the minute I only won $200, I'm like, I'm telling everyone immediately. And I don't give a shit about, because it's like after taxes too, it's probably like barely over a hundred. Um, but that 
was my time on Let's Make a Deal. That is hilarious. That's a very, that is a, the idea. And you can see the writer's mind because you introduce these characters, some of which are going to come, come back. And they did, I think, um, so Henri, Henri, was it? Henri. No, he, says he kept going into character sometimes. So then that's also another thing that diminished. He's like, you're like, I'm Henri, there's an inch butler. And at the end, he's like, I'm Henri, get me the fuck out of here. Like, so the did, Henri, did Henri get a quickie deal? No, he did not. That's why he was so pissed. He got literally nothing. They didn't even talk. They didn't talk to him the whole time. They didn't get him on a game. They didn't give him a quickie deal. I'm imagining too, like maybe like they did some more Googling and he has like some pending trial. Who's, <laughs> like, who did Henri come with? No one. He's all alone. <laughs> Henri's wake is on Tuesday, <laughs> if you can make it. I'm going to hold the tray the whole time. My last thing, because I still have not done an open mic night because I just have been too distracted and doing other stuff. But I had a couple a couple uh, ideas or percolating jokes that I wanted to run by you. All right. All right. The first one. You know Folgers Coffee. What's their what's their tagline? I'm talking to you. Don't pretend to be an audience. I'm I'm just having a conversation with you. It's, it's a, but the problem is it's glitching. It's like oh. what's the the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Right. Is this a shit joke? No. Oh, okay. Okay. What's my curious? joke was gonna be, and maybe I'm glitching too much for you, and maybe it's not coming through, but my joke would be imagine being in that meeting when some guy proposed as the, as the tagline and just blatantly admitted in public that he's never fucked in the morning. That he's never, the, he's like, what if the, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup? And everyone's like, what did you just say? I don't know. Say it again. This is fucking loser. <laughs> best part. And it's just like, have you ever fucked in the morning? It hasn't happened to me a lot. But if I'm ranking the best ways that I've ever woken up, Folgers in my cup. I mean, the okay, best this way is, to wake up. You have two writers in a room and they're crunch, they're crunch for a deadline. And you have to come up with some different tagline that the Folkers cop. And it's like the guy says, he's like, hey, what if the line I'm going to use is like, the best part of waking up is Folkers in your cup. Now, you also, you go, you always go Folgers. Isn't it Fol like Folgers? Folgers? Friended added, you got me. <laughs> uh, so, the, so I think it's, if you have the two talking in a writing room, it's like, it's like, this is a true, almost like a, you book it as a true story because if everyone shits on it, then how did it get on? Because the way is like the CEO walks in. And I think it's funnier if it's like you bring that up and it's like, what are you talking about? Is like, you never had sex in the morning? Like, who's the guy that came up with it? Um, I think you could do that way. But the idea of two people walking in and one guy having it's like, no, like you got to do like, Folgers gets you through the day or something like that. Oh, like Folgers gets you through the day or something like that. And then you come in and then just everyone's eating up the bed. And then you get like, it's like, oh, get the bandit. It's like, oh, let's do like E flat. And like, the bandit is part of It's like, oh, that's good. It's like, oh my God, who's the other guy? And it's like, um, my you have to follow idea. the pitch. <laughs> yeah. He's like, my idea is um, almost in the same thing, like the Oval Team. What's the deal with coffee? <laughs> it's we get beans, we we make it and we make uh, liquid from it. 
I don't even like beef. And then John Oliver was like, let's try it at E sharp. <laughs> and the guy's I think, like, that's, I think oh. there's a way to do that. The point is just some way where it's like another the the person in isolation is the person who thinks it's a stupid idea. I also thought unless now you're just roasting, unless you're just roasting the guy and being like, who's the guy who came with that tagline? The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. It's like, have you ever had sex in the morning? First off, have you ever had Folgers? Folgers <laughs> is like, you know, so it's like you can either just do that roast thing. Yeah. Unless, but it's, it's a. Yeah, but, and then this is where you're right. Cause immediately I think it's funnier if I can put it in a writing terms, like it's almost like a character trait. Like the, just like my dad was actually the guy who, uh, didn't think that was a good, good uh, catchphrase, and they fired him. And like, I'd almost like it's like, like it was like, what? Who was the other guy? To me, like that's a you're right. That's like a funnier character journey as he tries to like find his way into his next thing. Because he got fired because from soldiers because he didn't think it was a good idea. That's why Dan's joke, or I don't know whose joke it started with, but it's like, so you're asking me, I had the British in the Revolutionary War, <laughs> <laughs> like. The other one I've been, uh, this is just another quick one, but I drive by this billboard and they're actually, it's kind of a weird part about adjusting to LA. It's like the billboard industry is still alive and well out here. I feel like 99% of billboards in America. Same thing in Myrtle Beach. And in Myrtle, yeah, it's, it's Myrtle Beach and LA. Those are the only two places you can put a billboard. But there's this one right by my house and it's for a bidet toilet. And it says intelligent and beautiful the new like smart bidet toilet. And I do feel like that is where you've lost me as far as like making things like intelligent, like technology wise is the thing like you shit in. And maybe it's because I, I have a sensitivity to this, but I'm like, that's where I'm starting to feel bad for the robot to the point of like, uh, you know, like if Skynet ever goes live, that's a Terminator reference, um, which is a very dated reference. But like if the robots start to fight back, you know, if I'm watching Terminator, I'm rooting for the humans. But if there was a quick scene where one of the robots was like, this is for shitting in our mouths, I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm actually, they're making a good point. I, I'm now seeing why they fought back. It's like, who needs a toilet to be intelligent? That feels like the last thing I want to be intelligent. You know how you set that joke up? How's that? It's like, so that like, it's like AI is getting pretty scary, huh? Like, have you seen the new robot that looks identical to us? It has emotions and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's catching on. I saw this billboard the other day and it's just like, so it's like, you know, you, you start with that. It's scary. Yeah. In that, like, this is something that we should fear and we're afraid of it. And then you go into, however, though, if it comes to a civil war with the humans and the, and the robots, I'm letting my robot, the bodega robot go or whatever. The bodega. The bodega, the, bodega, the, bodega, the, other, the, the convenience store. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's where. And then you can maybe pick up, pick on some like uh, some AI. Like, have you seen? I think Denny's has like the waitress that comes out, the robot that comes with the they serve their food. Like, I'm knocking that thing over. The bidet, <laughs> I'm letting him go through, the, let him through go. the back door. It's the thing for your service. Yeah, and that's what you could do. Let, let him go through the back door. He already knows that, and he make a joke about an asshole or something like that. Okay, this is the, this is I my last one then. that I I don't know why I wrote this down. I think in my head this was funnier. I don't know. I'm looking for a way to make it funnier. But I remember I feel like multiple times in my life, I've gone to the dentist, and they've sort of like really like sat me down like really dramatically, 
kind of like come over like like they have really bad news and they've sort of just been like so we need to talk you're brushing too hard i feel like that's like they're that's like they're one in the chamber they sort of like have for everyone but they really like play it up and mm -hmm. i'm and they're like your gums and your enamel are you know they're receding a little bit and you know i think you should go electric and i just feel like dentists they never get to really like break bad news so it's almost like that's like you know how bad of news can a dentist really break they're like they think i'm gonna be like oh my god i'm brushing too hard. <laughs> i'm so fucking sorry he was the doctor with the the, the, the dentist with the dental hygienist saying it's a cavity <laughs> it's the equivalent <laughs> to cancer it's like just like my god I don't know how else to say this, but um, you have a cavity. Your lower left, uh, back left molar. It's uh, it's got it pretty good. I'll give you time to inform your family. Um, so, so <laughs> let like... me answer this. Is now once again, I'm seeing the skit. So you start with the doctor. He kind of has like one of those X-ray things, and they put it on the thing, and it lights up. And he's like, "Oh my god, I was afraid of this." I just, I don't know if I'm ready. I, I'm not ready to tell him. So then we'd, we'd go with the dentist into the next room and it's a couple. And I'm curious what you thought, what do you think is funnier? Where the, one of the people, they have a cavity and one of them is reacting the same way as the doctor, whether it's like the partner's like hand on the shoulder, like, oh my God, <laughs> no, no. And then, but then one of them is like, guys, is it, is this a cavity? You're saying a cavity? A cavity? Yeah. I've had a cavity before. This is okay. This is I see it. The, it's the dental hygienist has to be the one who's like, oh, like is like losing it. Like she's like, what is it? What is it, doctor? Get the family, and then like, <laughs> so he's like determined. And again, you have to at least one pull yourself together. Yeah, pull, yeah, pull yourself, yeah, pull yourself together. It's like get the family. So it's like you get in, and the the patient has to be like hearing it hard. Where it's like the, whoever it is, like whether it's the wife who's like, I've got a cavity. It's like, she's a survivor. <laughs> you married good. She's a tough son of a bitch. She's going to need you over these next few months. I, I lost my ex-wife to, <laughs> to a cavity. I don't know if you had this at your dentist, but like they had little toys sometimes that you get, you know, or these little gift bags. It's like, yeah. be sure to. You have kids at home. You have kids at home too. Margaret, put two uh, two more goodie bags. All right. Then the last thing I was going to say is a long time ago when I did one of these, I we had talked about the very funny concept of running away from someone, but running into like a Costco and actually having a membership card and getting like through and yeah. then getting stopped. I think I've finally come up with a movie that I eventually I am going to write where I'm going to be able to use that bit. And the movie's basically going to be um, the my pitch for it is while I've been doing Uber Eats, I've been telling you about that place, Tender Greens. That's just like it's like a machine. It's just constantly busy. But there is like eight to ten Armenian guys who just like sit there all day and like take Tender Green orders because so they found like if you're the first one sitting there and you just literally sit there all day, you're kind of the first one that gets every opportunity. So they have it down to like a science. So obviously I'm like, well, they're a crime syndicate. What if like, like whatever's in the tender greens, I mean, the bag is stapled. I don't know. What if they're moving like drugs or money? So then mm -hmm. the movie would be, you have some character. And I think, and then if Dan's listening, Dan's to be excited. I think I'm going to attempt to use Dan's idea 
about a roommate being a juggler. And so you have, he's sort of a down on his luck guy. He needs to make cash. His roommate's a juggler who's making good money. And so he's like, fuck it. All right, I'll do Uber Eats. And sort of like one of his first deliveries, he gets the tender greens bag that's not really meant for him. Like he tastes like the oh, wrong bag. And, like, and so then the mob is after him. He doesn't know why, yada, yada, yada. And at some point he's going to be running away. He can kind of like get through Costco, and then you have like two Russian or Armenian guys like I don't know. I mean, it seems like a good deal. <laughs> like, do we do it? like, you know, you have them like kind of arguing about it. Um, so I do think I'm finally gonna be able to use that because that was always one that I thought was hilarious and a really funny thing to do. So that is very funny. It's and it's this idea of like, oh, if you need to, if there's a big like um, shopping plaza, you need to get lost somewhere. Where do you go? Like, who do you trust? And <laughs> You see the Costco, it's like you get the membership and you go in and it's, and the, I don't know, it's funnier if like they get denied or like, I don't know if it's funnier if it's like you just kind of try and find a way to slip in, even though you don't have the Costco card and the guy stops you yeah. and the two Russian Armenians also have, but they have both have the card. It's like, oh, you want to use my card? You use your card. <laughs> you, wanna, you know, um, I think that's one of the few. And then you interact with the free samples. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But anyway, and, he, and I did just get confirmation that Quickie Deals does count as being on the show. So uh, that is my let's make a deal experience, and it is over. No, read that full text. I can see it's a pretty big text. He goes, hey, Drew, thanks so much for reaching out. Yes, a Quickie Deal does count as being in the show, and you won, parentheses, yay, exclamation point. Quickie Deals end up being some of our biggest winners sometimes. So this means you won't be eligible to play again for another three years. That's how it ended. Yep. I just want to like, what if I just lost it? Like, fuck you, Kyle. Yeah, Henri, Henri killed himself. He was showing up. And what if I just type back Henri's, Henri's blood is on your hands? <laughs> but hey, at least Henri still has a shot. Uh, and on that note, 